Privacy by design must be a key consideration at start for our project lifecycle and also there is need to use a base protection. Hello everyone, my name is Terence Stamps and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast on app security. Now, together with my colleague Juan Carlos, we will be discussing application security in general and what enterprises can do to mitigate the risks posed. A bit of background on myself, I'm an identity and access management architect and I've been with Capgemini for just over seven years. My recent works involve the use of app security using OAuth 2 and OpenID Connect protocols. I'm on the Capgemini Expert Connect program and I also maintain a couple of blogs, one on the Capgemini website and one at www.idaccessman.com. Juan Carlos, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. Hello. I am Juan Carlos Pascual. I am certified as a CISA and CISM by ISACA and also a security software lifecycle professional by ISC Square. I am in charge of cybersecurity service delivery in Capgemini Apps 2 Spain. And you can find my contributions as an expert connection in Capgemini website. Excellent. Thank you very much, Moncolo. Well, we've been discussing at length between ourselves the basics of application security. Now, it's an issue that tends to come up in our line of work quite a bit. Now, I suppose we look at the software development life cycle, for example, as a basis for developing applications. And on top of that, there are protocols and there are frameworks that we can use to build in security. Now, on Carlos, have uh, you come up against pro- uh, frameworks such as OWASP or anything like that? And what do you consider to be good practice when it comes to application security? Uh, well, the main uh, references in application security lifecycle is a Microsoft Security Development Lifecycle and OWASP project. Uh, even uh, some uh, projects or some components of OWASP has been also integrated into a uh, last version of Microsoft SDLC. Uh, I think they have many utilities and procedures for crafting a secure development lifecycle. Uh, even though that uh, security be- development is a matter of efficiency and integration, uh, there is no standard solution which can fit to all customers. It is needed in an approach, a framework, in a race model, and it is a long journey, but it can be integrated now along with existing uh, initiatives like uh, DevOps, which uh, could be a, a good thing for all our customers. Very good. Okay. Well, what do you think then, Juan Carlos? Do, what do you think that we need to do specifically when it comes to looking after application security, especially around, say, open source? Uh, well, uh, open source uh, has uh, some specific characteristics which uh, should be cared. Uh, that is because uh, when you use uh, open source libraries, uh, there are uh, 
some problems which uh, also uh, are there and has been identified uh, and open to everyone that uh, want to use that libraries. Are you talking uh, about, say, for instance, um, existing vulnerabilities or um, possibly issues that haven't been patched that you've got? So you've got published vulnerabilities out there in the open source world. Uh, yes, I'm referring, uh, of course, to uh, well-known vulnerabilities, but also that uh, if the project, or the open source project, and the open source libraries are uh, not maintained anymore, uh, you are going to use a, a library. You should know about that, and also about uh, intellectual property rights, because uh, the um, the license for uh, open source library. Uh, could uh, obligate you to uh, respect some specifics of uh, intellectual property, like uh, to put your uh, code uh, at the service of the community. Uh, all of the things, all of the characteristics could uh, uh, have some issues when uh, a development project is, uh, is done. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that... Uh when, when we're talking about application security, obviously it's extremely important because we will talk about GDPR um, later on in the podcast, but GDPR is pretty much mandating that if you have personal, personally identifiable information, that you look after it in a secure manner, a secure and responsible manner. And so anything that you may take in order to develop your app, it's important that you have gone through the correct checks and balances, if you like, in order to ensure that the modules that you produce and that you're using in your code are secure. So, I mean, from my side, when I've read about OWASP, they have, I mean, they are, they are a not-for-profit charitable organization. They look at improving the security of software, and they have a vast amount of resources available that can be used in order for people who develop applications to produce good quality, robust code that can that can actually look to keep their um, the data secure. So, I mean, is there anything along those lines that you've seen in maybe in addition to OWASP that might be possible for other enterprises to use? Uh, well, I think it is a complex uh, uh, set of, of uh, rules or requirements to get uh, applications secure. Uh, in, in fact, uh, GDPR, as you said before, uh, has uh, uh, is, is uh, looking uh, that the uh, applications uh, should be private by design uh, and uh, secure by design so uh, you apply all of these uh, tools uh, from OWASP or from uh, Microsoft as you see it is not uh, enough because uh, you have to put uh, them in a correct uh, order uh, some uh, things which are uh, very useful is uh, uh, security testing because uh, you can see, test the, the security of your code 
by using static code uh, analyzers and uh, make some uh, dynamic assessments to the applications before, uh, before putting them in production. There are a lot of tools that we can uh, guarantee you all uh, this is, is achieved before getting into production. Okay, okay. Well, along those lines then, so we've spoken about open source um, and its part in secure applications and testing and so on and so forth. Have you ever come across restrictions around, say, code sharing? So, for example, a little bit of background on my current project, there, is, there are restrictions around how we use, say, GitHub or Bitbucket and the like. So if we are going to use code, that there is a way in which we can use it which doesn't involve what would involve a lack of scrutiny, which involves scrutiny when it comes to checking code back in and making sure people haven't checked credentials in with the code and that kind of thing to ensure a lack of um, security vulnerabilities, should we say. So, what have you come up with across anything in that area? Uh, well, yes, but uh, I think. Uh, uh, in order to have a, a, a mature uh, development practices, a mature security development practice, more precisely, uh, you need to establish uh, some framework, uh, some behavioral framework, and of course, some uh, development framework. Those development frameworks are fitted from uh, open source, of course, uh, you uh, need to, to make some uh, code, you need to put it uh, share with uh, some people, with, uh, uh, test that uh, code and, and tell you how to uh, enhance your code. And afterwards, uh, you have a, a very pretty piece of code into your project, but uh, this is the, the normal life cycle of uh, uh, GitHub, but uh, we have to say that the GitHub is, is not secure, and the procedures or and, and code that is there uh, has a lack of security, and the, the people who access uh, is not looking just for security, but for uh, features. Uh, so. Now, all the features you uh, take from uh, GitHub uh, should be put into your development framework and should be added uh, some security components which allow you to use it with the desired, um, desired features, but uh, in order to know that uh, that code is secure. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that. What about, because we're talking about the human factor of applications development here, we're talking about developers who are often under a great deal of pressure to use good quality code in a short amount of time. They're taking bits from here and there and using it from, you know, various code repositories. But also, I mean, I came across when it comes to secure coding, the 
possibility of code of ethics when it comes to software development. Now, software engineers can do a great deal of good, but they can also cause harm. They can leave back doors into software. They can allow their clients, the people actually developing code for, to be quite vulnerable. And should there be, in your opinion, a wider expectation that software developers would sign up to kind of a wider code of ethics so that such things as we've talked about, so introducing security vulnerabilities could actually be or should actually be um, outlawed as part of their um, part of their job. Oh, yes, of course. And uh, I, I think uh, that uh, um, some uh, maturity frameworks like uh, SAMM or BSIMM are, uh, have uh, some tools to, to achieve this. Um, in order to know about the, the security governance of uh, a development project, uh, we, we are usually uh, make an assessment and take some uh, meetings which are put in, into uh, a checklist and afterwards they are uh, treated at the personal requirements. So uh, all of these uh, requirements are put together and we build um, application white book uh, security for the project. All uh, that's, uh, that uh, um, uh, white book is summarized, and then it is put on, on a, a presentation, which is offered to the uh, development team as a training in order to know about uh, some aspects like ethics, uh, how to manage passwords, how, how to uh, behave with uh, some specific. Uh, aspects of, of uh, development that uh, are not just related to, to coding, but also, and uh, well, uh, uh, afterwards uh, we apply some controls which are audited in order to know uh, in what extent are applied or, or the measures. I think it is a very uh, quite complex uh, approach. And uh, well, uh, it is uh, giving some successful uh, results. Well, do you think though, that we're talking about? Because you're talking about SAMM, so that's the Software Assurance Maturity Model. So that is an organizational open framework. What I was referring to was more to do with the human behavior behind software development. So I'm looking at something that would almost make the developer themselves obligated to not to uh, well, to behave in a responsible manner when it comes to actually coding and developing. Now obviously you would expect a professional to do that anyway, but that's you don't that's not always something that happens. So would a code of ethics be something that you would expect to see companies have their developers sign up to in order to ensure that software is a lot more secure and tight and 
people don't start introducing um, actual um, vulnerabilities on purpose, if you like. That's kind of where I was getting at. Uh, yes, this is a very sensitive uh, point because uh, sometimes uh, that uh, vulnerabilities which are uh, introduced on purpose are very hard to find. Uh, and this is sometimes achieved by using uh, security uh, code uh, scanners, but uh, the most uh, uh, reliable method is to to review the code, to peer review uh, the, the, yeah. code, the code that you has uh, written. Uh, uh, it is uh, reviewed, but uh, someone else which uh, is not you and uh, can find some strange things that could be laid to, to uh, vulnerabilities on purpose. Uh, it is uh, hard and it is, uh, I think it's, it's expensive, but uh, it is a way, no, no, no another way. Okay, yes, I, I believe so. I think there's an organizational responsibility to ensure that the, re the responsibility for security, for especially for a particular application or for applications within an enterprise, does not just end up the responsibility of one individual, because then there is that possibility of an individual abusing that their position of responsibility within the company and allowing vulnerabilities to escape through if they were interested in possibly compromising accounts. So I suppose it's something to have a look at. I mean, we spoke previously about um, GDPR and the impacts that that might have on application development and uh, security of applications. Now, obviously, within our industry, we've been speaking about GDPR for quite some time. And just as a, a, a quick background, it means we have to ensure that users have the right to be forgotten so they can request to have their personally identifiable information deleted they have to have they have to give explicit consent so that uh, so businesses must ensure that they request consent to collect using this data any data breaches got to be notified of between 72 hours Privacy by design must be a key consideration starting throughout project lifecycle and also there is need to use a data protection officer. So that's a quick, just a quick run through of what GDPR means. It's not going to go through all 150 plus pages of the regulation, but you get the, the picture. So with that in mind, on Carlos, we, we were talking about privacy by design earlier. What is your impression of the use of privacy by design and how do you think it will enhance what we currently use within the application development community? Well, I think uh, GDPR is a vast area uh, uh, and uh, always when we enter into that subject, uh, there is someone that is uh, getting some uh, new uh, thing that has discovered and uh, because of that, you you can be fined. So uh, I have a, a suggestion for all the people that is concerned with the GDPR. Data governance is the key. When data governance is achieved, 
you can do many things with those data, apply policies, pseudonymize, uh, data masking. Customers without data governance will have a hard way in order to perform all procedures needed for a complacent GDPR. So I think the, the very first step is to achieve a very good data governance and then uh, well, they then they will need to care about uh, some specific things, but uh, it would be easier, I think. Okay, so when you're talking about data protection by design, are we looking at the improvement of principles such as transparency and ensuring that um, when you're building data protection for software, we can see exactly where personal data is being used within that software and ensure that where we can see it being used, we can ensure its safety and its... Um, inc- so, say for instance, if you've got software you need to encrypt it at rest and you need to encrypt it in transit when you're transferring across the internet, this is all information that is now expected to be built into application security. So, Juan Carlos, are we saying that data protection by design is an improvement on what we currently have at the moment? Uh, yes, but uh, not only uh, not only that is uh, the response. As, as uh, we are getting software within any uh, device which we are using, uh, we are thinking about uh, Internet of Things or, or some a lot of, of uh, devices which are using uh, or uh, daily life. Uh, they are taking data from us uh, in order to to profile uh, someone uh, about what is he doing, um, where is he going, what, uh, what uh, does he like. Uh, it is very complex and all that uh, information could be uh, put together in order to profile, uh, which uh, even it that does not lead to a specific uh, personal data, they they can build a, a, a profile which uh, leads to an only person and can you uh, identify. And identify is also uh, GDPR. When you are identified because of uh, some characteristic of your life or your the place you are, uh, the, 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 the things you like, all of them are related to GDPR, and uh, I think we are not only related to applications, but it is a wider area like uh, Internet of Things or, or, or uh, new areas that are arising now for technology. Okay, so off the back of that, you've mentioned Internet of Things a couple of times. so. Do you think that the widening area and widening use of the Internet of Things when it comes to applications and application development is going to have increasing uh, different ramifications for when we are developing applications in general? So what new considerations what we need to bear in mind when we are developing applications that rely on the Internet of Things? Oh, well, I, I think Internet of Things uh, is uh, quite related to, uh, to 
cloud. And it is quite related to all these new uh, technologies which englobe uh, containers, uh, cloud, the ease of setting up an environment just by typing a few commands or letting continuous integration doing it. It is arising the concept of structure as code and uh, that is uh, the, the, the problem or, or not the problem but the, the, the circumstances we are facing uh, that everything is code and uh, we are uh, getting a lot of tools which is component uh, about infrastructure as code uh, application as code everything is code um, all of them need to be integrated but everything happens very fast and DevOps, which uh, is the, the concept of, uh, of velocity of uh, development, uh, should be enhanced by uh, adding security by SecDevOps. It is a good opportunity for those companies which are investing in, sec in DevOps in order to get to DevSecOps, mainly because okay. there is need more investment and it is good to place all together in order to harness all synergies. Right, so one of the reasons that I, that I was interested when we were talking about the Internet of Things, application security, is I wrote a blog post a while ago around um, the Internet of Things and consumer security. Now my issue was with additional um, devices that are able to connect to the internet that there were effectively a wider area of attack for people who are interested in compromising the security of internet things applications and with consumer products you can have say for instance smart doorbells and wireless printers and fridges and the like, they're all connected to the internet, they're common um, consumer products, but because they are, they were not developed with security in mind, then you get data being trans, um, transported across the internet, which is related to these particular items, which is not encrypted or it's not protected because no one considered the principles of security by design or data protection by design when they were developing the Internet of Things, these particular applications, these particular modules or consumer products that were there to make our life, lives easier are now providing gateways for people to take information out about them. So my thing really around the Internet of Things is that I think there is scope for a great deal of good to come out of the Internet of Things and the application of the Internet of Things when it comes to connecting information, sharing information and having your car tell you what, you know, uh, tell the manufacturer that there's a fault and manufacturer contacting you or the fridge talking to the supermarket and saying I'm out of milk or whatever. But in doing so, we have to be sure that we're not leaking information, sensitive information out, and that all comes back to GDPR and how important it is to look after people's software, uh, sorry, people's personally identifiable information. So, um, have you 
had any consideration about that, Juan Carlos, on say your dealings on, on the project? You are you are very right, Terence. But I I would add some specific things. It's, it's for uh, Internet of Things that uh, everything is connected. So. Uh, when we are not related only to data protection, uh, we should only uh, we should care uh, as well uh, for some other kind of, of uh, problems. Uh, if your device is not uh, secure, uh, even uh, you don't need to care about protection data. Uh, you have to consider that it could be a vehicle for, for attacking some others. Uh, some uh, months ago, there was a specific attack, uh, Mirai, what was focused on uh, cameras and video recorders, uh, which uh, could uh, put all them alone in attacking a DNS uh, server. Uh, I think it is not related just to data protection, but uh, well, if you can uh, get all the, the, the processing capabilities of some uh, devices on the Internet of Things, you can do many things with it, even attack uh, some other, and uh, it is a very uh, high risk. So uh, any uh, Internet of Things device should be correctly uh, secured and, and his development must be focused on security. Absolutely, and I'd say that yes, we've been focusing on GDPR and data protection by design and obviously that's a big buzzword in our industry, but when you're talking about general security and especially around internet things and possibly in the future AI, that security in general and ensuring that data transfer is not intercepted, that machines and applications are not compromised or turned to to be used in a, in a, in a way other than they were, than that, that they were designed for. I think that's uh, very important and that is going to play a part in how application security develops over the coming years, I would say, especially as the technologies that we're talking about become more and more mainstream. So, yes, definitely, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that. Okay, so, well, look, thank you very much, Juan Carlos. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for your insights, and thank you all very much for listening. You can see further insights www.capitalmni.com slash expert and um, also you can connect with us individually at LinkedIn or you can look on the Capitalmni expert page and take a look at either one Carlos Pasquale's individual page or my page Terence Sander. Once again thank you all very much for listening and have a pleasant day.